Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast. Each week, your host, Casey Haston, Director of Recruiting at VIP, will bring you valuable insights from thought leaders, introduce you to incredible companies, and bring you tips for landing your dream job from our team of executive recruiters at VIP. And now, Casey Haston. Welcome to the We Are VIP podcast, a podcast devoted to adding value to your career or candidate search, brought to you by VIP. I'm your host, Casey Haston. I'm an executive recruiter, director of recruiting with VIP, and your all-around hiring guru. And I am super excited about our guest that we have today because, believe me, he got up super early to be here with us today. I'll let him share a little bit about where he's at and why he's there. But for now, today on the show, I'd like to welcome Jason Mark Campbell, author of Selling with Love, public speaker, thought leader, and podcaster. Jason's goal is to teach service-based businesses how to thrive on sales without compromising on their values. He also interviews thought leaders from around the world on topics of leadership, team building, communication, productivity, and more. And we're gonna get into all of that today. So thanks for joining us today, Jason. Hey, Casey, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. It is my pleasure to have you. So where are you recording from today? Well, we're just sharing. I actually am based out in Bali, Indonesia, which has been a very fantastic place to be. I'm not going to lie. During the pandemic, I feel a little isolated from a lot of the craziness happening around the world. So yeah, 6 a.m. in the morning makes it fresh. (laughs) I got my coffee. I'm an excited person. (laughs) That's so incredibly gracious of you to get up and meet with us at 6 a.m. in the morning because I can, well, I would say I wouldn't do that, but I was just telling y'all right before we came on that I did do that this morning. So, but thank you. Thank you for being here with us. Um, One of the things I like to start the show with just because I think networking is so important and I think setting your sight on those people that you want to meet is important, but how did we get connected? Well, um, you know, in the process of doing my own podcast, which is the Selling with Love podcast, I get to interview so many amazing people. And in there lies a bit of a clue for those who are looking to connect and network powerfully is I find the podcast is one of those tools that if you start building a platform and, you know, you build up your skills as an interviewer, you get connected with amazing people and you usually get to create an amazing experience that's focused on the other person. And so what I happen to do is interview this uh, gentleman called Frank Dana who wrote the book, which is uh, Love as a Business Strategy. And uh, it was very topical since, uh, you know, love was both in the language of our books. So as he was doing the promotion, we kept in touch. And then he's the one who reached out and said, you really need to look into this podcast. This was one of my favorites to get on. And that's why he took the initiative to connect us. So the networking sometimes happens effortlessly when you're focused on your impact. <laughs> Well, and I think it's so beautiful because when he mentioned that you, um, you well, and I'm not even going to share that. I'm going to let you share that story. So tell us a little bit about your background and how has your career path gotten you to where you are today? Yeah. Yeah. Well, at this point, as you mentioned in the intro, what I end up doing is a lot of, you know, public speaking. I get to host a podcast and I just released my book, which is the Selling with Love book came out in February. And, you know, the whole concept of selling with love came through a series of career paths that uh, brought me all the way to where I am now, starting from doing real estate sales. I found myself in a real estate company. They were teaching me about selling over the phone where you do a lot of, um, 
you know, it's it's funny. Sales is one of those. If if sales was a sport, it's one of those sports you have to get used to losing a lot more than winning. <laughs> so the percentages are definitely not on your side. But I find it fascinating that we're also aware that most of the growth comes from losing and from failing. And so I ended up doing this um, work, which was selling on the phones, which I think is one of the best muscles to train for anybody who wants to build resilience to get over their fear of rejection. And this is at my year of 19 was the first taste I had of hardcore sales, you could say. And boy, did it allow me to grow really fast. But fast forwarding from there, I ended up starting my own company with some business partners where we bought and sold US property. This was back in 2010, right after the, the Great Recession. Uh, there was a unique opportunity and being Canadian, I could see from the outside the noise and what was actually a good opportunity. So got myself through this. But it was an interesting thing that happened where I was taking a trip through Southeast Asia. And it was this amazing company that I always followed, I very much cherished, looked up to, which was doing personal growth education called Mind Valley. And as I was walking through Kuala Lumpur, or I, I decided to reach out to them. And they said I'd be available to visit their office. And, you know, it's not just going to see like, you know, these cubicles in a, in a gray storage. No, no, this, this was a company that was known to have Southeast Asia's most like crazy Google-like uh, looking offices. So by visiting their office, found myself working there, um, ended up doing many roles such as leading the entrepreneurship division, launching a best-selling book for the founder, running their events divisions. So that whole career always had me in touch with sales. And while I was with this large organization, everyone knew me as the sales guy. But I found it very fascinating because they were very conscious people and majority of them, if not all of them, looked at sales in a very negative way. They were like, yeah, that's the stuff that, you know, the slimy, manipulative people do. We don't do that. That's that's wrong. But yet here I was sitting in a publishing company with marketing at the background, yet there was such this, you know, this animosity for sales. And I realized this is something that's big for the majority of people. And so, you know, people walking up to me always saying like, wow, Jason, you're weird. You, you love selling, but, you know, most people don't. I was like, well, maybe I need to teach people why I love selling by teaching them how to sell with love. And so here we are. I took Vice a little seriously and now a book came out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a huge accomplishment for sure to publish a book. I know I've been on that. I, I, I self-published a book and I'm still working on it. And it's, it's a journey. It's a journey of love. You've got to really want to do it. Yeah, you, you, it's funny because as I was on that journey, I work with an agency that uh, supports self-publishing authors, uh, this uh, company called Scribe Media. And as I went through a workshop to understand the fundamentals of how to write a book, I had no idea how to write a book. So I definitely wanted to you know, work with people that had the experience because every time I, I face a problem, my, my first question usually goes around the lines of who, like who do I need to reach mm -hmm. out to that can help me with that problem. And I go to their workshop. I'm like, great. I'm going to learn everything about writing a book. This is what I need. I'm just lacking information. That's it. And as we went through the workshop, 70% of the time at that workshop was just facing the fears you had around writing a book. Because if you want to come from a place of love, you got to conquer some fears. And when you did this exercise they made you do, which was called fear solving, then you started realizing everything in your mind that's stopping you from writing the book. And I'd have to say that was the most important work I did for writing the book because I think I would have gave up if I wouldn't have had a blueprint of every anxiety that was going to come up, every fear that was going to come up that I knew was, they, they knew it was going to come up and they were right. And when, when it came up, I could refer to a document. I said like, oh yeah, 
that was going to come up and I know what to do about it now. I, you know, so much of what you just said is so great because a lot of things that keep us from moving forward is the fear of the unknown. And they took that unknown and made it known for you. Yeah. That's Yeah, I know. When, when it's unknown, it's a million things. When it's unknown, it's maybe three to five. <laughs> that is so true. We need like a class like that for life. Right? <laughs> right? Because I mean... Well, hey, let's let's face it. We're we're probably dealing in times where the unknowns are feeling really big right now, and so the problem with that is, I feel like when we're faced with the unknown, because it feels like a million things, we feel paralyzed. We don't mm -hmm. take action, and you know, we're in this state of contraction. So uh, I'm really hoping, and I think you're right. I think if a lot of people would take a moment, being like, "What am I really afraid of?" And then what can I do about it, or what can I realize I can't do anything about it, and now I just need to move on. <laughs> Exactly. So I want to talk about your book a little bit. You brought it up, Selling with Love. How do you want this book to impact others? Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's a great question because it's, it's actually the whole premise of the book is starting with the impact. Um, in essence, here's what happened is in that journey, you know, I, I went through my background pretty quickly. But when I first started this company with friends to, you know, buy this U.S. real estate, it was actually through one of those programs. And since you're in America, this will probably be the one that will resonate the most since I know it was pretty big back in the day. But if you've ever heard of anything like a Trump University where they teach you, like you go to a seminar and they mm -hmm. teach you how to do real estate, how to make money. Well, I'm in my early 20s here. I sign up to one of those programs and, uh, you know, pay a substantial amount of money. And what happened is they take me down in Florida. We visit some properties. They bring in this person who's the cousin who apparently sold a trucking company. And as we're walking through, they're saying, well, guess what? He's going to fund every one of the deals you buy and you're going to be supported. We need to turn you into a case study and you guys are the young blood. We want to show an example that you we're, we're going to support you in your success. We're like, oh my God, this is incredible. This is the best program we've ever been a part of. And then they brought us into a room. They're like, great, talk about your experience. They put us in a studio and then we record testimonials. We're like, this program is amazing. They brought someone to fund all our deals, blah, 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 blah. Well, that became an infomercial that ran across Canada. But the moment that infomercial was recorded, we went back home and then we sent an email to that cousin. He disappeared. The whole thing was a facade. And so I'm like, and that threw me into an, like, that was a tough time. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like I had to see a psychologist for a while. I was on antidepressants for a while because I was so stressed out because everything I had been taught, everything I had as a foundation that gave me peace, comfort, enthusiasm, hope was like pulled from me because now I realized that these guys were scammers and I was just left really feeling like crap. And what I wanted to do was make things right for everyone I was doing business with. So eventually I ended up, you know, reading a ton of documentation of make everything right, finding new people, new who's, because some of the who's are not the right ones. <laughs> um, that really helped me. And I, I always give um, a shout out to Tony Singleton because she had been a title agent that really helped me throughout those tough times. But there's something that came from that. And this was this contribution, which I think is one of the cool goals you can set is what contributions you want to make in life, what impacts you want to make in life. And to me, I'm tired of seeing douchey salespeople and marketer take advantage of people. And I use the medical term douchey, um, <laughs> but I'm like, there's so much beauty. There's so much amazing things that can happen. There's so much like development and ways you can help people. There's no need for, you know, scammy marketers and salespeople to exist in this marketplace. And what I realized is if I can enable the ethical businesses 
the ones that are impact focused, that are driven to make a change. If I can show them the power of selling in a beautiful way, they're not going to even open up the door for a marketplace for these manipulative salespeople and marketers to even exist because the right people with an ethical business are going to know how to get the attention, how to earn the trust from the people that are looking for solutions to their problems. And that's the ethos behind selling with love. I mean, the definition in, that I use for sales in the book is this selling is an energy exchange between conscious beings. And when you know what you offer is so much more than what you ask in return, love is the emotion that is felt both on the buyer and the seller side. And so it just, it's, it's just a beautiful thing. You know, that reminds me of one of my, well, it's not one of my, it's my top internal rule, which, and you know, and I'm in sales, it's just my product is a person, right? But I'm still in sales every single day. I've got to convince you that you want to go work there, right? And convince that person that you want to hire that person. But I firmly believe and, and wholeheartedly so much, I'm very big on my internal rules that to give value first. And that's, and I can go further and say without expectation of anything in return. And so, so many times when I get on the phone with people that are looking for jobs or for, with clients that are really desperate for help, you know, I'm doing everything I can to give them as many resources th that I'm not getting paid for that to help them to ease that pain in some way, form or fashion. So I, I think maybe I practice your selling with love already and I just call it something different. I think we at a fraction all get a chance to taste every emotion, right? And we do step into the selling with love, maybe unconsciously, but you would know it like those times that I know you've had a candidate that was so qualified and perfect for this one company you've been desperately looking to fulfill a position for. And when you talk to that company, you have that glitter in your eyes and you're just like, you have no idea who came and knocking at my door today. It is the most perfect candidate. And if we've had any struggles for all this time to find a person is because we were waiting for that person and they just walked in. And I'm so excited to make the arrangements to make this happen because I know we've both been working hard at this and the time has finally come for the perfect match to walk through your doors. The person on the other side is going to be like, Oh my God. Okay. That like what I just did right there was a script to really persuade mm -hmm. strongly. And you know, this is what I talk about when you love the process of selling, it's actually not an act of manipulation. It's an act of empathy. And sometimes it even happens unconsciously, but consciously is when you start using the mechanism processes, scripts, systems, strategies, whatever it is that you have within your business to either generate more leads or to close more deals that isn't manipulation, it's empathy. It's the language that's necessary for people to understand the value you want to provide to them. So when you, when you come from that energy, it's like, you know, they say enthusiasm is a great quality to have as a salesperson. Nobody's unenthusiastic when they're feeling the emotion of love. And that's what I'm trying to get across. Oh, that is so good. I, I no, say that again, say that one more time. <laughs> nobody's needing to fake enthusiasm when the energy of love is flowing through you. You just naturally do become enthusiastic. That is so true. And I literally just had what you just described happen. And what's so interesting, and I was so crestfallen because I had a candidate in play. The My client wasn't in love with this person, but they were like, we need somebody, you know, is he going to be the next rock star? No, but we need somebody, right? And the candidate ended up turning down the offer and everybody was crestfallen. But then a week later, 
this super rock star showed up and let me tell you it was a love fest over there it was awesome <laughs> and i mean they even increased the title they increased the pay they increased the lti it was beautiful it was so meant to be and they're like oh that's why that other deal didn't work out yeah, the world works in a mysterious way sometimes to nudge us into the right place. And then when you know you've landed that right deal, like oh, everything moves effortlessly. Um, and so, yeah, that's uh, in essence what I've noticed is that, you know, in a world where there's so much of this manipulation, this sleaziness, and it's not that it doesn't exist. It does. But if I can empower more people to do it the right way. Um, we're going to start seeing some major shifts in the way that we operate. And, you know, I want to pull from the example that you just said is, you know, you're going to have some conversations with some people where in traditional, like hardcore time efficiency productivity, let's say there's a hundred calls that you have scheduled in a day with potential candidates. There's some methodologies that would say, you know what, ask three questions at the beginning. And if you see they're unqualified, get them off the phone. Mm -hmm. they're, I remember there was an, an acronym that was called TWAs which stood for time wasting a, I'll let you finish the rest. And it's like, what, How, why do we have such negativity around this whole conversation about working with other humans? Like that's such a dehumanizing way of looking at sales. And so in your case, I love what you just said, because you're not thinking, well, I could save a microsecond and out of the hundred, maybe I'll have like, I don't know what your, the percentage of this industry is, but let's say there's 10 people that are are going to be the ones that I'm going to sell to the other 90. Are they just waste of time or are they people that are going to go out there and do word of mouth that they're going to honor your brand, that are going to continue speaking? So could you treat them with respect, love, honor? The answer is absolutely, because it's not always just about measuring how many you close, but it's also about being conscious about how do you leave everyone you didn't close? Mm -hmm. Did you just alienate them or do they become champions for you who go out there and start doing the marketing for you? I love that so much. I really feel like I need to get you here in Texas and get all the recruiters in the DFW area together and you tell them how to do business because a lot of them, it's just like they they treat, and I, and I talked, I was one of these people, okay, Jason? When Before I became a recruiter, I was in accounting and I was going to recruiters to find accounting jobs. And I tell the story all the time. I think I found every bad recruiter in, D, in the DFW area until I found a good one who's like, Casey, you don't even like accounting. What are you doing? And I'm like, what I went to school for? You know, and she's like, no, 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 no. Come be a recruiter. That's what you really need to do. And she was so right, changed my life. So when you have somebody like that, I feel like she was operating with that business as a love strategy or love as a business strategy or love as a selling strategy. And she was just amazing. And she changed my life. I mean, I am not the same person today that I was 10 years ago. And that's amazing to me. And I think more of us yeah. can reach and touch out people just like you are. You're not going to have, you're going to see some of the effect of the impact that you're having, but you're not going to see it all. And there's going to be a lot. You're just going to have to trust. Yeah, that's the most, that's the most fascinating thing. And one of the exercises I give in the book is the first love in selling. I go through five of them. The first love of selling is actually love the impact. And I think if we spend a bit more time becoming aware of the ripples that we cause from every interaction in the business of selling, you will become much more motivated to get up in the morning, to do those calls, to write those emails, to create these events, to convert. Like you start realizing like, wow, this one person I talk to might be having a conversation with their company, which could affect their entire strategy, which could allow them to actually survive in tough times. And you will have been the butterfly 
What is it? The butterfly effect? Yep. That's exactly like, what it is. It, it has such a positive ripple. So you become so conscious that every single person you speak to is important. And of course, you know, I'm talking also about I'm, I'm a productivity person too. So I'm not telling you that you should be scheduling five hour calls with somebody that you can't do business with. But there's ways you can treat everyone lovingly with respect with boundaries. And that leaves everyone going, wow, you know, this person, you know, came from a place of love. And now I actually have some direction to go from here. And I think that is so beautiful. And I'm, if you don't mind, I'm going to tell you a real quick story because I think this really epitomizes my belief in how I feel like we should be treating everybody in the world. So when I first started recruiting almost 10 years ago, I engaged with a candidate and um, she had been with her company for a long time. I ended up not placing her, but you know, over the years I would call her once every six months, once a year, you know, just to keep in touch with her. You know, she, sometimes she'd answer, sometimes she'd call me back, sometimes she wouldn't, but that's the life of a recruiter. We're only important when you need a job sometimes, right? Um, but I would still make that effort and call her and call her and call her. So fast forward about, this was right before the pandemic, right before the world broke. She gives me a call and she's crying. And literally I talked to her like maybe twice a year, okay? And so I'm like, whoa, what? And she's like, I just quit my job without given notice. I'm like, all right, talk to me. Let's work through this. Anyway, long story short, because I knew her story, I was able to go before my client and say, you know, I'm not even going to give you her resume. You're just going to interview her. She quit without notice, but here's why. You know, I get to be their champion. And it was so amazing. They ended up hiring her. She got like a $15,000 raise on what she was making before. And they hired her the week before we shut down. Wow. Yeah. And what I love from that story is, is I, I've had something similar happen. And the lesson here is about the fear of following up is such a huge fear, yes. right? Like it's something you look at the statistics and I'd have to pull it from my book because I don't remember. I should know this, but it's close to 50% of most people don't even follow up once. And it's such a shame because the average amount of times you need to touch somebody for them to start giving you attention and build that trust is four touch points. Mm -hmm. And so just to be above average is such a low bar. And I remember that I had a similar story, which was back when I was doing those real estate sales over the phone, there was this lady I ended up calling 27 times. Like I had a system that allowed me to follow up properly. It was like, call, no answer, call, no answer, call, no answer, call, leave a voicemail, call, answer, talk, wants to follow them up in six months, set it up in three months, call, no answer, call, no answer, call, voicemail. So like it was an, I had notes in the CRM, you know, and I, I saw that there was about 27 and some, one time I follow up and she's like, okay, I send an agent over to do a home evaluation. So they go over, they evaluate their house right on the spot. She signs with the agent, they list the house and this was the, the, the owner goes up and they're like, so why did you make the decision to sign with us? And she said, well, if you're going to have somebody calling me over 20 times just to get me on the phone, you're going to be the best people to sell my house. <laughs> that's and awesome. She, and I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. And you know, this is what happens is like when you care enough, and this is a quote I say in the book, and I think it's going to hit home is like, when your comfort is more important than the conversion, you're not coming from a place of love, right? it's not comfortable to follow up. You feel, you have to, you have these voices in your head saying like, am I bothering them? Um, is this going to be, you know, do they, are they even interested? It's like, you're coming in 
from the heart, you're trying to reach out to somebody that you know could have a problem that you can solve. And so, of course, you're going to follow up. Of course, you're going to continue reaching out to them. And we're so busy today so that if you're unless you're just blindly cold calling, which I know this is not a strategy that anybody follows anymore. But when you have a targeted list of candidates that you know could potentially use your service, they're probably uneducated about how your services work. They're unfamiliar. So it feels scary. But when you consistently follow up and show up with the right energy, you're going to see that people are going to be like, okay, I'm curious now. Okay, I'm going to consider now. Okay, thank you for doing this follow-ups because now you're the most trusted advisor I could hope for because you've always showed up for me even before I needed it and you were consistent. Exactly. And that's exactly what I try to do and the rest of my um, office tries to do. And I'll tell you just one other little interesting fact and then I want to talk a little bit about, um, I have another question for you. But we don't have call number call numbers that we have to hit. And I love that because that gives us so much freedom to really target and spend time and love on and take care of the candidates and our clients that we do engage with. Instead of stressing about having to make 300 calls that aren't going to do anything that you're just making them because you got to hit a number. Hmm. Yeah. So that's like the incentives in the industry sometimes are just old school. They're not well aligned. And, you know, in a world with LinkedIn, is that even relevant? Like right. it's not right. And, you know, I'm sure we've been on the receiving end. Like we want to be treated like humans, you know, um, and we've, we, we're, we all have accounts on whether it's Instagram, LinkedIn, and we get those generic messages. And the moment you get them, do you go like, oh, I'm so glad I got this generic message. I'm going to respond right away like such a rare occurrence but instead when you get a message someone saying like hey follower of the vip marketing love your show especially this episode i wanted to get in a conversation there's something i think i could help with they're like well look at that somebody might have taken the time to understand me which actually falls into the second love of selling which is love the client and the way to show love is to spend some time to understand who you're reaching to so you can speak a language that's relevant to them yes so important. Okay. So your book focuses on teaching others to earn with earn with integrity and expand their impact. We've got, talked a lot about impact. How do you think this can apply to job seekers? Yeah. Yeah. So this is funny because in the book, I, I, you know, we have such a resistance to sales, right? Mm -hmm. So first thing that happens is like, okay, sales, oh, yucky. You know what? I'm going to, I'm going to put it in a box over there. I'm going to take everybody that fits this caricature used car salesman type of, you know, salesperson, which is the idea that I think sales is. And I'm going to put it on that box and then I'm going to double dose it with negativity because I want to push that away from being part of me as much as possible so that I'm the good person and they're the bad person. And for anybody who's into spirituality, this would be called shadow material. Um, but nonetheless, what happens is we have this caricature image. We completely disassociate ourselves from it. And then what I do in the book is, you know, I highlight and bring awareness into consciousness why we do this, like society creating movies like The Wolf of Wall Street, being entertaining, yes, but why would you want to become someone that takes advantage of others, selling them things they don't need that, you know, scams them? So of course, we look at sales with this kind of distance. So one thing I open up is this fact that sales is happening everywhere all the time for everyone. We're all salespeople. If I want to get a job, this interview is a sales process. Mm -hmm. Going out to look at businesses is prospecting. The entire thing is a sales process. And then I make it even lighter and I tell people, have you ever tried to get on a date? 
have you ever tried to get into a relationship that's romantic? What's that process called? <laughs> it's a sales process as well. And I even add the caveat that even more important than that is if you want to remain in a relationship and you want to grow the flame, that is also a sales process. So the sales doesn't end when you close. And I had someone else that I interviewed where they said that they've, it's a shame that you call it closing a deal because it's actually more about opening a relationship. And so for those of you who are listening to this and you are a job seeker, well, how would a salesperson approach seeking a job? Because you are a salesperson yourself. So, well, you make a list of prospect, you decide to understand them, you understand the impact that you want to make for the company that you want to go work for. What are you going to bring to the table? What is it, the types of company that you choose to work with because they align with the values and the changes you want to see in the world, and they match the compensations that you expect as somebody who's going to bring that value into the company. Who are you? What certifications you have? What experience do you have? Are you highlighting and packaging it the right way so that people can clearly understand the value that you're going to bring in? Are you missing certain criterias? Can you get them? All of these are ways that in my process, I call love the product, but you're the product. So how do you make you the best you to be presentable to the companies that you want to work with? And again, I come back to this whole idea of loving the process of selling, like this whole thing, doing interviews, finding companies, doing research. This is exciting when you know you bring value to the table and you've chosen companies that you really want to work with. And loving the process also comes to the acknowledgement that maybe, just maybe, I'm not the most qualified person to go out there and seek these jobs myself when I'm a high value individuals. Just like if I want to go and do PR for my book, sometimes I have to realize that my time is limited and I need to hire a PR agent who has existing relationships and that can go and market more effectively than me. That's worth my time. That's worth my money. They bring value to me. And in your industry, I know that for a lot of people, they will need to decide to work with a recruiter because they'll understand that in the process of selling, which is to get the job, there are some experts in the field that can bring so much value from following the right processes, having the right connections, that it'll end up being so valuable for you and reducing your stress and getting you more than you expected. So all of that is the concepts that I teach around selling with love and is so applicable for anybody looking for work. It's a sales process. There's tools, there's, there's strategies, there's tactics, there's different vendors to work with. All in all, it's just a beautiful way for you to go and get one client. I mean, getting a job is a salesperson who decides to work for one person mm -hmm. and a job offer is a sales contract. Ugh, this is so good. It's no wonder you're so good at this and teaching these concepts because you've put a lot of this into different perspectives that I've even I've not heard before and I've done a lot of <coughs> podcasts, right? So I really appreciate that. And we, I do want to learn a little bit more about your podcast, what prompted it. Now, if I remember correctly, it was part of Mind Valley, which I'm so jealous that you work for Mind Valley. If, if people don't know what that is, if you, in, you're into personal and professional development, highly recommend it. Um, but so tell me a little bit about your podcast. Yeah. So. I worked for that company, Mind Valley, for seven years. And throughout my time there, I filled various roles. I even got a chance to be on stage. I had a chance to host this podcast, interview thought leaders, um, which again, it's, it's interesting because there's a big wave of people that you know advocate for entrepreneurship. Yet I've always been an advocate for following a career that makes sense to develop skills and to build connections that you couldn't do yourself. I'm an intrapreneur by Me heart. Too. And so while I was... 
there you go. And so I love my time at Mind Valley. It's only recently that I stepped into entrepreneurship because it brought with a whole new set of challenges and uh, it's been a new journey and just a journey I want to be on for my 30s. That being said, I worked for Mind Valley and it was during a time that I was considering leaving and the founder came to me and said, listen, we'd love to give you an opportunity to host a podcast. So at the time it was called the Superhumans at Work podcast. And so I the way I showed up for this company was very interesting. And I, I contacted an old boss that I had in my early 20s and uh, he was featured in the book. So he reached out, uh, we connected over congratulating me for the book. And he wrote me a message, which was really interesting. And I think is the ethos of how I've always worked everywhere. He's like, you know, I never really knew exactly what you were doing at this company, but I always knew you were showing up and doing your best and doing things that were important. And so I had this own brand, you know, because personal branding is important. Well, as an employee, I had this brand where they'd be like, yeah, we'll leave Jason alone. And he's always going to do something that's going to help the most possible. And I'd always have a very strong loyalty to my employer. And through those actions is why a lot of these opportunities came that way. So I ended up hosting this podcast. And as Valley realized that they actually wanted to focus on just one podcast because they were thinking of a multi-podcast strategy. Um, they decided to actually say, hey, listen, we're going to slow down on your podcast. Um, we're going to be focusing on the main one. And what I did is I made a sale back to them. And I said, well, I'm building my personal brand. This podcast has millions of downloads, hundreds of guests already. Um, I would like to actually see if I could buy the podcast from Valley so I could host it myself and self-publish it. And, you know, I have to thank the generosity from Valley. is they actually ended up giving it to me. Wow. And in essence, uh, I just said that I'll be doing regular promotions for them into the show, but I've maintained a great relationship with that company even after leaving them, uh, which is over two years ago now. And we continue to exchange business. We continue to have conversations. And, you know, I couldn't stress the importance of leaving on good terms with any place that you go to. Um, and I would say it's definitely a great culture, a great work environment that I was able to leave a place like Mind Valley that is conscious, that has, uh, you know, personal growth and professional growth at a foundation uh, made it the grounds of really being able to leave on good terms and then just continuing scratching the back of that past employers to ensure that I always am expanding my network. I'm never burning down bridges. That is so beautiful and it's such an opportunity for you. And I, I think about what you said, like you just showed up there one day and I don't know, maybe that's what I'll do because I would love to meet Vision. I think that would be so cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I know they're doing some events. They they stopped doing events for a couple of years because of the pandemic. They're restarting this year. So I'm hoping to go and just uh, hang out with everyone there as well because uh, everyone's been isolated for two years. So I think it's about time we get together and celebrate. And you know all the cool people over there. So that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, well, we are almost out of time, believe it or not. And I'm really sad. I should have done like a double episode with you, but I know you have other podcasts. But I do want to get to our VIP questions. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So if you were chosen to be one of the first colonists on Mars, what three things or people would you take with you? All right. So I gave this some thought, and I think you'll like the answer. Um, the first one's going to be the typical one I bet you hear from all the time, but I'm going to bring Elon Musk. Seems like the most qualified person to bring there um, since, you know, he's doing all the, maybe he'll help me get back to earth. And, you know, if he's there with me, he's going to be one of those engineers, smart people you probably want to have on your side. And I'd love to have a conversation with him. Um, the second thing is actually going to be a thing is I'm going to bring a magic lamp with three wishes. <laughs> and then I'm going to discuss with Elon about what wishes should we be asking for to be the most effective in these wishes? Because I feel like he'd be the one to ask for the right answer. 
And um, well, the third one is interesting. Uh, yesterday for me was uh, International Women's Day. And I had such a joy just pampering and treating my partner very lovingly because she's been fantastic to me. So I would bring her along because I think spending quality time with her is a fantastic thing. Oh, I think that's beautiful. And nobody has ever said a magic lamp before. That's a first. Yes. <laughs> I'll take, I'll, I'll, I'll save it as an NFT and uh, it'll be claimed as mine. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Okay, so since you're an early bird, what is one thing you do each morning to set your day up for success? Well, I'd say jumping on a fantastic podcast like this usually brings my energies up and gets me ready to start the day. Um, but uh, aside from that, when I, I have these like morning routines that I like to do. And uh, I'd love to say that I'm a robot and I do them effectively every day. So I'm going to be the one to say that I'm not perfect and I don't have this CEO amazing routine. I have this list of habits that I like to keep an eye on, which come with like meditation, breath work, mm -hmm. journaling, reading. Do I do them all the time perfectly? Absolutely not. Do I do my best to see the ones that I can do, especially in the times that I'm feeling rough? I know when I put in the effort to do those, they always put me back on my feet. And so I keep that list. I do the best that I can, but I'm not perfect. Like today, did I make my bed? Well, I placed the pillows, but it was rough. I came here, I did the podcast, I poured myself a coffee and I'm having a great start to the day already. So, you know, sometimes I love these habits, but at the same time, I just want to be living. <laughs> it's so funny that you say that about making the bed because I, I follow Mel Robbins' method of making the bed, which is she's like, it doesn't have to be perfect. Just throw the covers up there, you know? It's <laughs> <laughs> like you got five seconds to make the bed. Exactly. I thought that would have been the <laughs> Exactly. Um, okay, my final question. If your life's work was being summarized in a news article, what would the headline be? Selling with love was the most important change we needed to make. Love it. How do people find you? How do they find your podcast? What's the best way to connect with you? Yeah, the easiest way is sellingwithlove.com. You know, you go to that website, you'll see the podcast, you'll see the book, you can learn more about me. Uh, I'd love to connect personally with people. And of course, I'd assume that the majority of the listeners here might be on LinkedIn. And I'll give you the free tip if you're looking to connect with me is never connect with someone without adding a note. Yes. Add a note when you connect and tell me you've listened to me on this podcast. That way I, I only accept people that add a note because if they don't add a note, I'm like, why are you adding me? I don't know who you are. <laughs> so um, on LinkedIn, Jason Mark Campbell, find me, um, connect with me, say you heard from me on this. Um, and if anybody wants to do, I have this like uh, meditation to help you connect with your buyer persona and that could oh. be for your potential employer. Um, for anybody who wants to have a copy of that, we can just connect with me on LinkedIn and I'll send you a free copy. Okay. And let me give a plug for that because I've been doing that meditation and I absolutely love it. So thank you for sending <laughs> that to me. Everybody, you are going to want to get this meditation. It's awesome. So this... With your permission, actually, if you want, I could set up, um, I could set up a link, which is sellingwithlove.com forward slash VIP. And not only can they directly download this meditation, but I can even give them the first chapter of my book so people can at least understand why we hate sales and to get over that. That would be amazing. That would be awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. So, oh man, I, I, do you see I'm trying to drag this out? I don't, I don't want to let you go. <laughs> but unfortunately, we are out of time. So I just have one last thing to say to you, Jason, besides thank you so much for being here today. And that is you are a VIP.
Thank you so much. It was such a fun show. The time flew by uh, and I had a great time and I'm hoping for anybody who's listened, uh, this has made a switch in the way that you look at sales, you look at employment, you look at recruiting, whatever it is that you do, realize you are a salesperson and you can do it in a way that's loving, enthusiastic, ethical, with integrity, and actually makes a greater impact than you ever thought possible. So that's the little difference I'm hoping to make in everybody's life. And that's a wrap for today. Join us next week here on the We Are VIP podcast. We'd love to know how we can help you be a VIP. To find out more, log on to wearevip.com.